more grace, and thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Here's today's message. I don't know about y'all, but I am so ready for my next. Amen. Amen. Prophesy to somebody and say, I'm ready for my next. Hosea chapter 4. Let's go to Hosea chapter 4. Um, I am starting a series today on mind control and how to have power over your thought life. And I pray that you really get a hold to this word. And I, I want to say this. You need to make sure that you listen. Yes. All right. Look at somebody say, get your mind under control. Get your mind under control. Now, this will probably this will probably be one of the hardest messages for you to ever listen to. And the reason it's going to be a tough message is because the devil is going to strategically assign distractions so he can always have victory in your thought life. So you got to be intentional. And I want to say that to you. Be intentional about listening to this message, especially when you know you have problems in your thought life. You don't have time to be messing with nobody, talking to everybody. Uh, uh, no time for TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, text message. You don't got time for that, especially when you know the devil fights your mind. All right, because after this message, and I'll be teaching this in church, and I'll be teaching this on Sunday and Bible study. So I want to challenge everybody. If you, you know, I'm in Jacksonville on Tuesday for Bible study, so I expect all of Jacksonville to be there. But I want to say to all of you who are not there, Tuesday, when we don't have church in the city, is not vacation. All right? It's not a break. You should be listening to the word so you can be in tune with what I'm teaching. And you want to pay attention because I'm not going to be teaching something different than Bible study that I'm teaching on Sunday because you got to get this message. All right? Uh, We did a wonderful series on prayer. Who was blessed by the prayer series and it's our last Bible study? God really blessed us and it helped us understand and pray from a different perspective. But I really want you to listen to this and I really want you to get a handle on this because I don't know if you know it or not. The battle in your mind is an unavoidable battle. Hallelujah. It's an unavoidable battle and it don't care how old you are. It don't care how colored you are. It don't care how cute you are, how big you are, how small you are. Don't care about your age. Don't care about your race. Everybody in here deals with problems in your thought life. I'm talking about the person next to you that look real sanctified and look like the devil don't mess with them. The devil fight their mind too. All right. Tell somebody he showed telling the truth. Amen. The devil will fight your mind while you right here in church. Amen. While you sitting right here in the sanctuary while you getting ready to get a word about the mind he already messing with your mind. All right. So this is a very unavoidable battle. And I'm telling you that if you don't get a hold on your thought life, sooner or later, it's going to produce some consequences. There are consequences that come. Uh, And how many people know the older you get, the more severe consequences get? All right. So the older you get, you know, like, you know, as a kid, you might have stole a little shoe or stole a little candy out of the house. And you might have did a little stuff as a child that you got away with. But when you get older and steal stuff out the store, you're going to jail. Amen. My mama might have popped your hand, but but the justice system ain't popping your hand. They locking them hands up. 
All right. So the older you get, the more severe consequences become. And I'm grateful that that I, I'm I'm grateful that the Lord dealt with me at a very young age with my thought life so that I'm not 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 years old still fighting a battle that you should have already accomplished. This should be something in your life that is that is so minute because you got to get a handle on this. You got to get a handle on your thought life because as a as a as a as an adult, it becomes harder because wrong is more familiar. Am I making sense? So when you've been crazy 40 years and then somebody come and teach something at 41, you're fighting 40 years of crazy. 40 years of this. So look at somebody say, thank God for change. All right. But I'm glad to serve a God that understands our challenges and he's made for us available armor. Oh, he's given us equipment to win this battle. Uh, Hosea chapter four, verse six. And I really want you to get this, understand this. But he said, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now the word of God declares that my people are destroyed. Not because they don't pray. Not because you don't speak in tongues and holler and dance around the church. But you're destroyed because of a lack of what? All right, and we're going to have to get an understanding of how to govern and control our thought life. Because you need to understand, whatever is abundant in your life, start it small. Nothing happens overnight. Everything that you are dealing with and that you are fighting, look at somebody shout, start it small. You don't just walk up to a person and hate them. Somewhere that hatred started small. You don't just get divorced overnight. There was a thought that came. And you entertained it. And you matured it you gardened it you you took care of it you didn't reject it and as a result you end up in divorce but it couldn't have started that way because you started at the altar telling each other y'all loved each other you sat at the altar saying for better or worse richer for poor sickness and in hell i just love you but somewhere a thought came that you entertained. Somewhere a thought was planted and you didn't reject it. You don't just commit adultery overnight. The Bible said if you look upon her to lust, what does that mean? You're meditating on it. It didn't just happen. 
You're married. You're in a committed relationship. You made a covenant with somebody, but you saw something that you entertained. You meditated on that thought. You meditated, watch this, on what you don't have in your marriage. You meditated on what you're missing. You're meditated on what you would rather have. And guess what? It calls an opportunity to come for you to end up committing adultery. Write this down. This is the first principle, and I'm going to teach this to you. We're not going to shout this because I'm tired of being shouting with no results. We're going to write this down, however you want to do, put it in your phone, whatever you want to do, but I want you to get this. This is our first principle. Write it, put it in your phone. Here's the first principle. Thoughts precede actions. Thoughts precede actions. Somebody say it. Thoughts precede actions. Now, what do you mean? Whatever action you've committed, you had time to not do it. Come on here. You went off. You didn't have to do that. You had time to not do it. You thought about going. So when you make statements like, I don't know what happened. That's a lie. It did not just happen. Somewhere. You meditated on that thought. You entertained. I don't know how I did this. It just came out of nowhere. Why is you lying? Say it again. Thoughts precede action. All right. So somewhere you had an opportunity to not do it, but you did it anyway. You didn't shift it. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we're going to go there. Now, I know we've read this scripture before, Ephesians chapter 6, but we're going to read it a different way. We're going to get a different understanding of it. We're going to grasp it. One of the greatest weapons of the enemy is when we read the Bible thinking we already know it. And yes, you've already read Ephesians 6, but I'm going to attempt maybe to introduce something to you new. Because I want you to get this because uh, uh, always come to the word of God empty. Every time you read your Bible, don't come full because you can't get nothing. Come empty so that God can pour into you. Ephesians chapter 10, 6, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Look at what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor. I, I, I want to say that somebody shout whole armor. whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness where? Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the what? I want to say that again. Take unto you the what? The whole arm of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Now, I want to give a little attention to something because Paul in this text is using what they would call Roman symbolism. When dealing with the armor that is dealing with the battle that we're fighting against, uh, he shows us that we're going to be defeated if we don't have this. Verse 11. Look at what he said in verse 11. Put on the what? I want to say that. Notice he said what? Hold on. Somebody's phone is going off. It's in ding to the ding. Ding to ding. You don't hear it? Okay. Turn it on. Do, do, do. You don't hear your phone ringing? Yes. You got it now? Amen. I'm going to do a healing service for ears. Nowhere in the world. I heard it all the way up here. You don't hear it in your pocketbook. You need a miracle. I, I told you distractions. I told y'all. I told y'all. I told you it was coming. The devil don't want you to get this because if he can defeat you here, he got you. He said, put on the whole armor. Somebody shout, whole armor. Whole say it again, whole armor. whole armor. Now notice, he didn't just say put on armor. But he said, put on the whole armor. Then he said it again in verse 13. I never paid attention to it. Wherefore, take unto you the what? Whole armor of God. So looks like Pastor Butler, success is not in one piece of it. That it does you no good to quote unquote have the shield of faith if you don't have nothing else. It's not enough just to have on pieces of the armor. But the only way you're going to be able to fight against the wows of the enemy is you must have on somebody shout whole armor. Come on, you need to say it again. Somebody shout whole armor. A lot of us get fixated on pieces. But don't recognize that Paul said put on the whole armor of God. So I want you to change your thought process from thinking helmet, breastplate, and get a revelation that you have to have on, somebody shout again, the whole armor. And I think the problem with most of us is we've only put on parts for getting the power of the whole. I don't believe that Paul was really at all trying to even express to us the power of the different parts. I don't believe he was trying to say the helmet is for this or the breastplate is for this or the sword is for this or the shield 
is for this. I believe that the only reason Paul broke it down is because he was trying to show us the importance of battle, showing us that a soldier with no armor is going to get defeated. But I don't care how skilled you are as a soldier. Your skill does not keep you from attacks. Yes, I'm skilled. Yes, you can operate. Yes, you can fight. But a fighter recognizes like Mayweather who boxes. He knows that his strength is in his defense mechanism. His strength is not in his punches. It's in his ability not to get hit. Are you listening to me? So look at somebody again and say, keep on the whole armor. Now let me show you why I believe that. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight. Let me show you why I believe that the emphasis is not on each piece. Because first Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight says, but let us who are of the day be what? Putting on the breastplate of what? And love. And for an helmet, the hope of what? Now, if I compare Ephesians with Thessalonians, it seems like Paul is confused. Because in Ephesians, he's at the breastplate of righteousness. But in Thessalonians, he's not true or consistent with his Roman symbolism. In Thessalonians, he doesn't call it the breastplate of righteousness. He called it the breastplate of what? Faith and love. But in Ephesians 6, 16, he doesn't call it the breastplate of faith. In Ephesians 6, he called it the shield of faith. Which one is it? Is it the shield of faith or is it the breastplate of faith? Is it the breastplate of righteousness? Or is it the breastplate of faith? Which one is it? Then when you look at Ephesians, Ephesians never even mentions love. But 1 Thessalonians 5 does on the breastplate of faith and love. But the whole Ephesians narrative, he doesn't mention love. And I believe there's a reason for that. Because Paul wasn't trying to stay with Roman symbolism. He, he wasn't, if, 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 if the breastplate was righteousness, then everywhere I see the breastplate, it would be what? Righteousness. But he was only trying to put emphasis on making sure somebody shout whole armor. Now, I'm taking it slow. Because I want us to understand this. Because if you don't get a handle on your thought life, you are defeated as soon as you leave this altar. 
So there are four questions we're going to have to answer. That we're going to have to get a revelation of. Number one, what is the armor we got to put on? What is it? What is the armor that we must put on? He said put on the whole armor, but what is the whole armor? Number two. She thinks you know. What exactly <laughs> is it used against? <laughs> she mean well. What exactly is it used against? Why do I need it? That's important. Number three. What does it protect? What does it protect? And number four. How is the armor to be used? I'm trying to be excellent. Y'all just so churchy. He back there talking about hope. I can tell when he get here. Amen. How is the armor to be used? You got it? Starting from the beginning, we're going to ask those four questions. What was the first one? What is it? We'll try that again. Come on. What is it? Number two. What is it? Uh huh. Number three. What does it protect? Number four. Now, now, uh, if, 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 if Paul did not remain true to the Roman symbolism by going piece by piece in every time he talked about it, maybe there's something else he's trying to get us to understand. Maybe... He, he doesn't really want us to focus on the pieces as much as he wants us to focus on the whole armor. Are you listening? If you got that, say, I got it. So I, I want to read Ephesians chapter 6. But I want to read uh, starting at verse 13. And I want to read it without the Roman symbolism of the pieces. Wherefore take unto you the whole arm of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having truth, having righteousness, having the gospel of peace. I'm at the next verse. Having above all taking faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take salvation. And the word of God. Let's start again, and the person back there who is on the screen is going to move faster. Wherefore, take unto you the whole arm of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, 
Stand therefore, having truth, having righteousness, and your feet with the gospel of peace, taking faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take salvation and the word of God. Now I said it, removing the pieces. Because I want you to understand he's telling you to have armor of truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. That's what he's telling you to put on. But got another problem. Because he's saying, put on the helmet of salvation. And that's a problem for me because he's talking to people who are already saved. So why is he telling saved folk to put on salvation? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It's going to make it very clear to you who Paul is talking to. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the who? To the who? To the who? To the sinners? To the liars? To the homongers? Cheaters? To the who? And he's telling saints to put on salvation. Telling saints to put on righteousness. Now, it's already confusing because Paul is the one who already told me I am righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Look at what it says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? All things are what? Behold, all things are what? Look at the next verse. And all things of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. I want the New King James Version. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us, verse 20, the word of reconciliation. That is, God, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the what? Righteousness of God. Say, I am, I am. the righteousness of, God. righteousness of God. Well, if that's true, why is he telling you to put it on? Put on righteousness as if me not wearing it could cause me not to have it one day. He can't be telling me every day I got to put on salvation as if if I don't put it on, I'm not going to be saved because I am saved. What if I leave my helmet at home one day? What if I leave my helmet at home sitting on the dresser? 
Does that mean when I go out, I'm not saved? No. Yet he says, put on hammer of salvation. Put on breastplate of righteousness. Huh? He's telling you to put all this stuff on. What if I forgot to put it on? I'm glad you asked. I believe what he's telling us is to put on daily what you know about your salvation. I'm going somewhere. I believe that he's telling you to put on daily what you know about your righteousness. That's why we are destroyed because of a lack of it's not enough to be saved if you don't know what your salvation means. It's not enough just to come to the altar and know you are hell free but don't know nothing about your salvation to live life. I came that you might have yeah yeah I'm righteous but what do you know about your righteousness yeah you're saved but what do you know about your salvation what does being saved mean I'm saved I'm on my way to heaven I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad. What that mean? I'm right. I'm, I am righteous. I am holy. What that mean? Because if you don't know it, it's nothing but words you say out your mouth. He said, put on truth. What is truth? He's telling you to put this stuff on. Okay. I believe that the armor that he's telling you to put on is the armor of biblical knowledge. Jesus. The only thing that's going to give you power and protection against the devil is what you know in your Bible. No wonder why phones don't start doing alarms doing praise and worship. No wonder why you don't have to go to the bathroom until the word is preached. All of a sudden something happened to your bladder. Whole time you dance. My life is better. I like it better. You getting down. No bathroom then. Soon as the word comes. Why? Because he knows if you ever get knowledge. You don't start itching 
to get on social media until I start preaching. Your armor is biblical knowledge. And if we're going to win, we got to put on what we know and use what we know against the enemy to destroy the devil when he comes after your thoughts. Look down your road, say, he is coming. John 10 say, the thief cometh, 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 cometh. Ain't that the truth? Minding your business, there he is again. Just got done shouting, here I am. He keeps coming, he don't give up. Even when we read the narrative of how the enemy came against Jesus. The Bible says he departed for a season. He's coming. But what do you know that'll cause him not to test you in that area because he know you know too much? Are y'all listening to me? What do you know? I am never going to test Tiger Woods on golf. No way, no way. I don't know enough. I'm not going to test Jordan on basketball. He doesn't just have book knowledge, he got experiential knowledge. See, there's a difference between talking about the game and playing the game. Let's keep going. There's a difference between playing the game and winning the game. Whole lot of folk played, but everybody didn't win. And when somebody who ain't won Try to talk to somebody who have one. They immediately look at him and say, where your ring at? Because winning gives you authority. authority. When you win in a certain area, I'm not strong in every area, but there are areas that I'm strong in. And if I know I'm strong in the area, I don't let nobody who I know failing in the area I'm strong in tell me how I'm supposed to act. Because I won in an area, you're losing. Amen. Look down your road, say you gotta know something. If you use your armor, your knowledge, you will not be defeated by the wiles. That word wiles is methods. Methodia in the Greek. 
the devil is a Methodist. Say amen. Meth I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was just a joke. It was a, just a joke. Just a joke. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is a joke. Just a joke. Okay. Just a joke. Against the why your your knowledge, your knowledge of the word of God puts you in a position that the devil is careful of how he approaches you because truth can identify a lie. Are you listening to me? So because the devil knew that Jesus was the truth, he approached him with perverted truth. He knew to come at him with scriptures. So you got to know the devil is studying you. And because he's studying you, he knows what you know. But if you put on your Bible, hello, shot, hallelujah. If you put on the word of God, you'll be able to go against. The wiles of the enemy. Am I helping somebody? Ephesians yes. chapter 6 verse 14. Look at what it says. Now he says, have your loins go about with truth. Verse 15. Feet shine with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Then he gets to the next one and he said in verse 17, the word of God. One place he calls it truth. Another place he calls it gospel of peace. But the gospel of peace and truth, guess what it all is? The word of God. So the emphasis is not on the pieces. The emphasis is having on the, somebody shout again, whole armor. What, what, but but, but why, did, why, 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 why did he differentiate it. Why did he call it peace one place, truth another place, and the word of God another place? Why? Why? Why would he call it peace one place, word of God one place? Well, why, why did Paul use breastplate righteousness, shield, faith, helmet, salvation? Who really want to know? Well, praise God, you're going to have to find out on Tuesday because my time is up. Standing on your feet all over this room. There's another level of excellence he's calling us to. And we're preparing for what God's about to take us. And in that preparation, the Lord told me that he wants us to be excellent in uh, everything we do. And I, I want to be sensitive to your time. 
I want to be excellent as I teach the word. And as you get ready to get out of here, I want you to be able to receive this word and get it. And of course, I can come in here and shout you and scream at you. But I want us to have victory in every area of our life. Would you look down your row and tell them I must have victory this year? I want victory in every area of my life. I don't want to be dominated by my feelings, dominated by my emotions, making decisions all because I'm in my feelings. That's going to rob me of my promise. I got to know enough word so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord can lift up a standard against him. Everyone standing, if you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day to get it right. Thank you for listening. Visit our website for more information to stay connected with the ministry of Prophet Brian Karn at briancarn.com or kingdomcitychurch.com.